ready to talk sports with one of the leading sports journalists of today? Welcome to All Around Sports with John Inglesby. John's years of experience as a journalist has allowed him to net exclusive interviews with the top players, former players, commissioners, and owners. John and his guests are ready to give you the straight word when it comes to sports. Now, let's talk all around sports. Here's your host, John Inglesby. Voice America listeners, welcome to the 219th ever show of All Around Sports. Reach Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, we broadcast live from Boston to go all around the world of sports for one hour to discuss what happened this week and what's coming up for the weekend. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net, which comes to me through my website at www iirsports.com. As always, I will give you my highlights, lowlights, and bizarre news items from this past week. Also, we'll now be joined by our weekly call-in expert, AP Statham of Bama Magazine, live from the SEC Championship game in Atlanta. And AP, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing great, John. I'm down here in Atlanta, getting ready for the SEC Championship game between Alabama, the Western Division title holder and the Eastern Conference opponent, Florida. Well, that just sounds awesome. I appreciate you taking the time to call in on what I know is a busy day. I believe uh, in about a half an hour or so, you're going to be attending uh, a press conference. Is that correct? That's correct. The two coaches will appear, and later on this afternoon, we'll have a chance to watch about 15 minutes of each practice. Wonderful. Uh, so, these are exciting times. It's right there for Alabama. Obviously, they win tomorrow, and there is no question, I don't think, that they're in the Final Four in the uh, college football playoff. So, I think Bama Nation must be there in droves, as I'm sure Gator Nation is, and uh, but must be a lot of excitement in the air. Yeah, there really is. You know, Nick Saban, uh, they've been in contention quite a few years, and Alabama stumbled early against Ole Miss, and as I tell people, the chips are, were in the middle of the table ever since that game, and they've been a team that's been progressing nicely offensively, and then they always had a strong front seven, and the secondary has gotten better with each pass. Wonderful. Well, it's been a tradition that the SEC championship game has now been at the Georgia Dome for, you know, but six, eight, ten years in a row, I guess. And, uh, you know, Atlanta with the new College Football Hall of Fame being re- relocated down there. It's, uh, it's now the quasi-home of uh, college football, and it's no coincidence, I don't think, that it's smack in the middle of SEC country. So it must be, it must be wild there, I'm sure. Yeah, it's, it's good planning by someone. But, yeah, John, you know, this game, believe it or not, it's been played here since 1994. Oh, my and gosh. They had, 20 yeah, they, years. They had the, they had, yeah, I mean, it's, I can't believe myself that they've had the first two games in Birmingham, 92 and 93, and ever since it's been in Atlanta, Georgia. Right, and Birmingham, if I'm not mistaken, is the headquarters of the SEC. Is that correct? That's correct, John. It sure is right downtown. Uh, it's triangular to the... SEC, and then you have the Alabama Sports Hall of Fame, and you have the, like the Sheridan Hotel. They're all right there together in a triangle. Okay. All right. 
And the College Football Hall of Fame, I, I don't know if you've been there or if you've passed by it. Uh, have, do you know where it is in Atlanta? Is it like right near Centennial Park and all that? Or yeah, Yes, it's right near. I have not been there myself, John. I anticipate being there on Wednesday. They actually moved the College Football Awards from Orlando, Florida to Atlanta. So I should be back here again on Wednesday, and the event is on Thursday evening on television. Wow, that'll be great. So you're going to see the College Football Hall of Fame for the first time on Wednesday. That's going to be exciting. Yes, yes. I, I love the history. I'm like a little kid when I go in there. I can't get enough, and I look forward to making my first visit. And that awards ceremony, uh, by total coincidence, I was down for a work assignment in Orlando at the exact uh, location inside Disney World where they were holding the uh, college football awards. This is probably four or five years ago, and it was just so exciting. I mean, a lot of the personalities and celebrities and players were already there milling about. I actually had to leave that afternoon, which was a bummer, but... uh, but, you know, I was able to soak up a lot of flavor, and uh, it, it was just awesome. And I made a mental note that I definitely wanted to get to one of those, which I will. But you'll be there to represent us this year. Yeah, John, I'm really looking forward to it myself. Uh, there's quite a few awards that are given out that evening, and usually like it's a cluster of three. The, the three finalists are in attendance. I mean, you, you know, so you get to talk to quite a few people. Oh, absolutely, yes. I mean, it's just kind of like, you know, it's a who's who of the college football world. And, uh, you know, so that's very exciting. And then from there, you're uh, headed up to the Heisman where you have the potential to see Derrick Henry from Alabama, the team that you cover, potentially win the Heisman. He seems to be the front runner right now. Yeah, yeah, John, that would be the second Heisman Trophy winner for the University of Alabama. The first was 2009 with Mark Ingram. And it was a tight race with Toby Gerhardt of Stanford, another running back. And it's coincidental that Derrick Henry, the running back from Alabama, might be in a tight race with uh, McCaffrey from Stanford, the Stanford running back. Yet again, well, I think everybody was amazed. I know I was back when Mark Ingram won the Heisman, that he was Alabama's first ever Heisman. Winner. I mean, that was just uh, so shocking at the time because I think all of us assumed that Alabama had had a few uh, Heisman Trophy winners given their glorious history. But uh, so, yeah, uh, that won't be happening again. But uh, Derek Henry, we've talked about him awesome often on this show. I mean, it's hard to believe that. Just last year, he was, you know, not even the first string running back. It was, uh, <laughs> it's just remarkable. T.J. Yeldon, now, now with the Jaguars, a steady performer. But Derrick Henry was, you know, set records in high school for rushing, literally national records. And uh, so it's no surprise in that regard. It just took him a little while to get make the job his own, with good reason. At Alabama, boy, as he flourished. Lucky and fortunate because Alabama really didn't have a strong player. You know, Kenyon Drake, he's a seasoned veteran, but he started off slightly struggling. It looked like he was trying to score a touchdown on every play, and his production wasn't as strong. And then 
and he got hurt, and so last week it, it culminated in Derrick Henry carrying the ball the last 14 times in the two possessions, and he set a school record for single game, 46 carries. He broke Johnny Musso's record of 42, which was done in the 1970 Auburn game, I believe. Wow, that's amazing. Uh, yeah, I mean, he, he's just put together, uh, you know, a year for the ages, and, uh, you know, certainly seems to be a likable fellow, and he has just delivered on everything that people thought he was going to be when he uh, left Florida High School to uh, go play for the Crimson Tide, and uh, I think it's great to see. So what do you expect in the game tomorrow, uh, you know? When last seen, Florida was barely eking by. I believe it was Florida A&M, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, I, w- I watched that game, wild ending. And, uh, you know, but clearly uh, Alabama has to be feeling uh, pretty good about tomorrow's game. Yeah, they were a heavy favorite. They started off at 12 points and went up to 17. And I think Alabama's going to do what they've done most games, give the ball to Derrick Henry and tell the other team to stop me. And like I say, you watch the first 10 plays, they'll either give it to Derek initially or they'll deflect the attention by throwing it to the outside on those short passes. But they'll eventually come back to giving the ball to Derek Henry. And Florida has a good defense, second in the conference. They allow 111 yards a game. But Leonard Fournette gouged them for about 180, I believe. So they're, they're vulnerable. they got an excellent pass defense, good secondary uh, skilled people. And so Alabama would be challenged if they, had, they were forced to throw it in the air. But Alabama's uh, passing game has progressed nicely. And uh, as I tell people, they have four good receivers, the three wideouts, and a, and a pretty good tight end, O.J. Howard. So, and Jacob Coker, the quarterback, has become more confident with each game. Yeah, and isn't it remarkable, AP, given all the times we've talked about Jacob Coker, that, you know, here he is. The starting quarterback, finally, uh, let's not forget for, that he was the backup to, uh, he was a Florida State quarterback. Jameis Winston shows up. He transfers. Coker does to Alabama. And most people thought he would play right away. He did not. And, uh, but he finally has, you know, progressed into the job this year. And, and here they are, poised to uh, make the Final Four with Jacob Coker as a quarterback. I, I think it's a great story. Yeah, as they say, patience is a virtue, and in his case, it worked out in his favor. And I think everybody's happy for for uh, Jacob. You know, he's a mobile boy, and it's uh, when you're growing up in the state of Alabama and you're dreaming about playing football, it's for the uh, University of Alabama. Oh, absolutely. Uh, well, it should be a great game. Uh, you know, it's just, uh, it always is, you know. These championship games, they're tricky. You never know. I mean, heavy favorites are often uh, doesn't turn out that way. Anything can happen in a championship game. And uh, as you know, I just look back on that, uh, you know, famous game with Georgia just a few years ago with Aaron Murray as the quarterback. They were right there. And, uh, you know, I I look for, you know, maybe a better game than what uh, we're expecting. Yeah, John, you know, when you're the heavy favorite like that, and this is Jacob Coker's first championship uh, setting, uh, he, the nerves might get to him initially when you, when you start to think of all the consequences. So funny things can happen with a football. It bounces funny, and uh, Florida's a good team. They know how to win, 
and it'd probably be a low-scoring event if they were to have to pull off the upset because their offense is really struggling the last four or five games. Yes, no doubt about it. Uh, you know, lucky for them, they got off to a nice fast start, and uh, you know they've had some really close games. East Carolina in the rain. Uh, of course, they were lucky. No, not lucky, but you know they hung in there and pulled out the Florida A and M game, uh, which would have just you know ruined their season had they lost that. Not to mention it's against uh, you know FCS. Uh, in-state team it would have been horrible so uh you know but they did hang in there and they pulled it out but uh they're still the gators so uh you know you can't assume anything when you have a, a tradition laden team like them that's for sure no no and john you know their head coach jim McElwain was the offensive coordinator at alabama and then he hired alabama's former offensive coordinator doug nussmeyer so those are two people who know Alabama's defense quite well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, that's not to be understated. Um, well, AP, I can't let you go without getting your thoughts on Les Miles. I mean, I thought that situation, the way it played out last Saturday night, I was watching it all. It was like watching a reality TV show. It really was. And I think it was an absolute gigantic embarrassment to the university. I thought that Les Miles, who I've always liked, and I believe you have too, uh, handled it just remarkably well in taking the high road, to put it mildly. And uh, (laughs) I just thought the entire week was just bizarre, all week long, and then culminating in that just, I'll call it debacle on Saturday night. And then... uh, um, you know, compare and contrast that with, you know, Mark Richt at Georgia. You don't hear a word all week, oh. and you just wake up Sunday morning, and he's gone. And, right. you know, good for him. He landed at the, at the U, uh, introduced right. this morning. But I thought the difference in the way the two were handled, you know, was just unbelievable. You know, again, not a word all week long. The chatter about Les Miles and he doesn't get fired. Not a word about Mark Richt. He does get fired. And, you know, two equally high-profile schools. I think that's safe to say. And just bizarre. Just bizarre. Yeah, John. It's two contrasts and styles. And as I always tell people, that's what makes the world go round. Everybody has their own method of operation, and that was front and center in both cases. Uh, Les Miles, uh, if, they, if they wanted to make a change, uh, I guess the fact that they didn't have their man in their hip pocket made, was the difference, and that they're going to let him stay. But I, I told people uh, that if, if Les Miles was to stay, you, you need to sit down with him. There has to be some changes. You know, the next offensive person you might hire ha- has to be like a cons- consultation and a group, group effort because the people he's brought into the university – they haven't done that well, um, especially with the quarterback development. And then Mark Rick, I mean, he there's no dispute he won a lot of games. You don't win 10 games every year. That's, that's a, uh, quite a quite a number, but he's not winning championships. That, there's no dispute about it winning. He can win games, but if you're trying to get the championships, if you're in the state of Georgia, the, the ACC recruits you, the Big Ten, the SEC, uh, you know, many other conferences trying to get your players. So you have your own selection of, of the best players in the in the state, and you're not winning championships. Something's not right. Something, something's not right. I totally agree. That's a good description. 
Make no mistake about it. I have no dispute with each, either outcome. You know, I, I think I felt all week when it was going on that Les Miles should remain as coach. And, you know, I have no dispute whatsoever uh, with, you know, Mark Richt not being kept on at Georgia. You know, again, you got to, if you're Georgia, you got to win championships. I've heard it said by some that Georgia is the number one coaching job in college football. And, you know, I, I, I may not agree, but I can certainly understand where people would think that. And, uh, you know, but it was obviously how the LSU thing was handled. And it was just uh, crazy, you know, be it the week leading up to it or the actual night that they decided to keep them. Both felt like they were decisions made as a result of public pressure, outcry, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, John, it, was, it really was the, the, the proper term as you, that you used is bizarre. I don't know why in this day and age it couldn't have been uh, managed uh, with more diplomacy and, and delicacy. It was just, yeah, they left the coach out to dry and then you have to keep them. I think people have short memories and they'll forget it as long as West Miles continues to win. There's there's better play with their offense. I mean, you have the best running back in the history of the school. They've got to come up with other options besides hand the ball off to Linda Cornette every play and hope for the best. Oh, I totally agree. Again, uh, I couldn't agree more with your statement that they need to do something about, you know, their offense and specifically the quarterback position. Uh, and, you know, uh, they just happen to have the bad misfortune of being in the same division as Alabama, which has been their nemesis. and uh, But at the end, you know, I, I think it, it all worked out well. Les Miles remains, and I think he's a, he should remain. So, uh, AP, I know you've got to get to your press conference, but uh, again, I just can't thank you enough for calling in. Uh, yeah, great week ahead. Uh, SEC ch- championship game college award ceremony, and Heisman all in the next eight days. Uh, enjoy it, and appreciate you calling in again. Enjoy the press conference. Well, thank you very much, John. It's always my pleasure. Thank you. Appreciate your perspective, and uh, it's time for our first break. And coming back, we'll get into our usual highlights, lowlights, and bizarre news items of this past week. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Sports and medicine go hand in hand. Quite simply, if you aren't up to your game health-wise, you won't be up to your game on the field. That's where Bruce the Sports Doc comes in. Dr. Bruce Grossinger uses his medical training and experience to bring you a link between sports and medicine. From the latest advances and treatments to discussion behind the injuries of the week, Bruce the Sports Doc and his team of guest experts are here each week to lay it on the line in terms that you can understand. Tune in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. 
If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between, discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment two of All Around Sports. And I'm your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144. Or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And it's time for my highlight of the week. A little delayed this week with uh, the first segment being devoted to A.P. Stedham calling in from the SEC championship game in Atlanta between Alabama and Florida. Had to run to a press conference that's beginning right about now. Uh, Hence my delayed highlight, lowlight, and bizarre story of the week. My highlight of the week was, not surprisingly, last night's Aaron Rodgers, Hail Mary, as the Green Bay Packers defeated the Detroit Lions on the second last play of the game. Uh, It was just an incredible play, uh, an incredible play before that on what ostensibly was going to be the last play of the game. But uh, the Lions were called for face masks. Uh, against Aaron Rodgers, uh, a lot of back and forth on that. Was it or was it not? Uh, I think he got just enough of it. Uh, and Dean Blandino from the NFL confirmed uh, that it was the correct call. Uh, but he got just enough of it. And Aaron Rodgers coming up, uh, turning you know, with his face mask uh, basically across his nose, left no doubt. So they get another shot. Uh, another play, games cannot end on a defensive penalty, as we all know, and so it was just a remarkable play. I mean, my first thought in watching that was, uh, after Aaron Rodgers is amazing, was simply allowing him to roll to his right. Uh, as we've seen so often, as we had seen just a play or two before, Aaron Rodgers rolling to his right and throwing is the most dangerous weapon in all of football, period. Uh, As we saw, again, just a few plays before and many, many other times over the years, him rolling to his right, he can just flick his wrist and throw an absolute bullet that travels 30, 40 yards on a line. And, uh, you know, as they were setting up for the play, my... Foremost thought was, well, 
They should be okay as long as they don't let him roll to his right. And when you see the play unfold, he does start left, uh, but then rolls back to his right. And plenty of room to maneuver. And, of course, he had to, you know, take that step up. I mean, why Detroit? I mean, if I'm the defensive coordinator and I'm no coach and I'm no expert, but I would have had literally a wall uh, set up on that right side to prevent him from, again, rolling to his right, where he is just absolutely deadly. So you get that. I mean, if he rolls to his left, he's going to launch it. But can he launch it 67 yards in the air and as high as basically a punt? Uh, amazingly, amazing how high that pass was uh, to allow his receivers to get down under it. I don't think he's doing that if he rolls to the left. And, you know, or, you know, the only other possibility would have been, a, you know, for the, him to come right up the center for the rush to have been kept you know, to the right and left of him and for him. But he had to have a running start uh, for him to get the ball that far. But yet there was no doubt if he did, he would get the ball that far. Um, so that was one of, you know, my mistake one by the Lions, shall we say. Again, the height on that ball was just utterly remarkable. Uh, the announcer said it best when they said if it was in Dallas, it might have hit the TV hanging above the field. I do not disagree with that, <laughs> having had the good fortune to have actually been in Dallas's AT&T Stadium. And uh, the other thing that was interesting, you know, these Hail Mary plays, it's fun to dissect them, and you always wonder, how did they do that? Uh, what I found somewhat unique about this one was Richard Rogers, the man who caught the ball, six foot four, the way he basically backed in and pretty much, I mean, it seems you know crazy to even say this, but it was a fairly easy catch. You know, I mean, you know, it wasn't like it was knocked around or anything. He, it fell right into his hands, and his hands, he jumped high. His hands were up high. He's a big target. Uh, but it, what I found interesting was the, how he backed into the end zone, and basically you had at least one, if not two, Packers between Richard Rodgers and the Lions defenders. And so, you know, with that massive body is, of his, you know, kind of falling backwards, uh, the ball came right into his hands. So there was just, you know, the Lions there clearly had not, uh, they didn't have anybody out front. Uh, everybody was basically behind, for the most part, the Packer receivers who basically blocked them from getting to Richard Rodgers and preventing the ball uh, from being caught. So again, uh, you know, right? You know, great catch, but not the world's most difficult catch by any means. I mean, he just snared it with both hands with no problem whatsoever. So that I found uh, pretty interesting as well. So just really, uh, you know, a spectacular play on the part of the Packers. Uh, they were looking at losing. Four out of their last five had they lost. Let's not forget the Lions were ahead 20 to nothing. And uh, so, you know, that was uh, a swing game. The Lions were on a roll. I think they had won maybe three in a row. They had hopes of running the table and maybe getting to the playoffs. And they were looking like they just might be able to do it, especially had they won last night. 
But again, they were ahead 20 to nothing, and they gave it up. And uh, so that was just uh, incredible to see. So uh, it was just the last of what was an incredible week of games, the last three games, the last thing we've seen from the NFL Sunday night, Monday night, and last night all ended on the last play of the game. And I want to talk about that a little bit when we come back after this break. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Do you love sports talk? Can't get enough sports talk? Have we got a show for you. It's about the NFL training camps, Super Bowl previews, a look at the new starting quarterbacks, and weekly key injuries. We'll take your calls and emails right on the air. Former Philadelphia Eagle James Loving is your host, and you never know who'll drop by for a co-host spot or an interview on the spot. Tune in to Loving That Sports Talk with James Loving every Wednesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment three of All Around Sports. And I'm your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is one. 1- 888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And it's time to get to my low light of the week, which was basically <clears throat> the Detroit Lions and the Cleveland Browns. What else can you say? Uh, I think we saw within the last four days why the Lions and the Browns are the only two teams never to have even made made it to a Super Bowl, uh, which is particularly unbelievable uh, when you factor in that they're uh, two of the original teams, as it were, with the NFL. We talked about last night uh, at the end of the previous segment, uh, the Lions giving up the Hail Mary pass to Aaron Rodgers, uh, which came after they were ahead 20 to nothing over the Green Bay Packers at home. Uh, they were on a roll. They were hoping to make a run to the playoffs. I think they had won maybe three in a row. 
but last night's loss ended any and all hopes of that. And then, uh, you know, uh, heard some chatter this morning that, you know, maybe Megatron should have been on the field for that play. He, of course, uh, was not. Uh, I'm sure you've all seen the clip of the Lions' reaction. Matthew Stafford, the quarterback, sitting on the bench and just kind of flipping off his hat. But as was pointed out in one of the post-game shows, uh, great shot of Megatron standing a few feet in front of uh, Stafford, and he just basically looks like he sinks to his knees. Megatron, of course, is six foot five. Calvin Johnson, and uh, so yeah, I can see the uh, criticism, if you will, of the uh, Lions for not having him out there, and can't help but look at that play and the way the Lions defenders seem shielded and in the back of the end zone, so that nobody was up front to start Richard Rodgers from catching that ball. Uh, and as the announcer said, you know. A couple minutes earlier, Aaron Rodgers had run 20 or 30 yards in for a touchdown because all the Detroit defensive backs were in the back of their end zone covering the receivers, which they did a good job of, but they all had their back to the play. So by the time they turned around, Aaron Rodgers was literally crossing crossing the goal line for a touchdown that basically ignited what was going to be the ultimate outcome of the Hail Mary on the extra last play of the game. And so I thought the Hail Mary was somewhat a bit of a, of a reflection of that play too, where, you know, the, the Lions defenders seemed to be more in the back of the end zone than up front to uh, deflect the ball, stop the ball, whatever, intercept it, whatever. This, of course, comes uh, for just a mere four days after the Cleveland Browns uh, had their own unbelievable ending. And again, just like the Lions last night, and let's not forget, it was the Lions who were victimized uh, by the batted ball out in Seattle uh, when they were going in for the winning score on a disputed call, as we all know, uh, against Seattle back at the beginning of the season. So to say there's snake bitten is just an understatement. And need I go back to last year's playoffs uh, against Dallas? Uh, and on and on and on and on and on through the years. Again, uh, I mentioned them and the Browns have never even made it to a Super Bowl. Uh, the Lions have never even come close, actually, to making it. The, the Browns, as we know, have come close with the drive and the fumble. So they were right there two years in a row uh, against John Elway and the Broncos. But anyway, fast forward to Monday night. Uh, you know, the Browns are lining up at home again for what appears to be the uh, winning field goal. Not a chip shot, but clearly, you know, I and I think most people thought they were going to get it. And uh, they're playing against this year's number one snake bitten team, which of course is the Baltimore Ravens. And. They had it blocked, the field goal attempt, and the Raven, Will Hill, scoops it up and just goes firing, literally, down the sidelines like, uh, you know, like a bolt of lightning, uh, just blowing by everybody as he rolls down the sidelines for the winning score on a blocked field goal. Again, last play of the game, no time left, uh, just like last night. Um, 
and that was that. And uh, to say the Detroit Browns, Detroit Lions, and Cleveland Browns players had the exact same look on their face would obviously being be an understatement. That look would be shock. And uh, so, yeah, it was just incredible to see. Uh, you know, again, uh, you cannot make this stuff up. And there are just two franchises that just, for a myriad of reasons, can't seem to get out of their own way. Now the Browns, we have this, you know, nonstop Johnny Manziel drama. Uh, I'm in the camp that believes he should absolutely be playing. You know, if uh, he sat out for one game, that game, the game we just talked about where they lost on a, uh, you know, lost in a bizarre fashion. Um, and I just believe that he should, uh, you know, he served a suspension. From what I saw, the videos and everything, you know, and I know it's accumulation of events there, but, uh, you know, he sat out a game. You have to find out what you got with this guy. Do you or do you not want him on your team? Uh, unless there's reasons I don't know about. If you don't want him, cut him. If you do want him, play him. One or the other. But you need to know before this season ends. Obviously, as so often happens, the games are meaningless. Uh, last few games of the year for the Browns, so there's just no reason not to play Johnny Manziel. Of course, they've already announced he's not the starter, uh, you know, for this Sunday's game. So you just, both franchises, the Lions and the Browns, just pretty consistently leave uh, leave y'all shaking your head. Uh, it's just that simple. And then to get to the other uh, game that, also ended on the last play, that, of course, being the Patriots and the Broncos on Sunday night. Uh, as a 23-year Patriots season ticket holder, I was very uncomfortable throughout the game. Uh, it's never easy in Denver for them, ever. No Peyton Manning or no Peyton Manning. Uh, you just don't assume anything with games out in Denver. The Patriots always have trouble, just like they do in Miami. And... Uh, you know, obviously, the, the fumbled punt is what turned that game around. Uh, then led to overtime, and they lost on uh, on the final play, which is how the overtime ended. Forty or so yard, forty yard or so touchdown run. But it was the weirdest feeling being up here in New England because obviously nobody cared about the loss, the opportunity for another perfect season down the drain, let alone to finally complete unfinished business and go 19-0 and like they didn't go in 2007 uh, because Gronk was not hurt. And that's all that mattered. Again, you know, the fact that they lost their perfect season, not even a blip on the radar screen. All anybody cared about was uh, that Gronk uh, is not out for the season with his injury. And uh, so... Pretty interesting, to say the least. Um, and, you know, again, it, it was just, uh, it's been a remarkable week uh, to see how this has all unfolded because uh, I get, nobody cares that the undefeated season is over. I think a lot of that has to do with, you know, the memories of 2007, not so much the loss to the 
Giants in the Super Bowl, where they, by that time the pressure had become just crushing. But the way they limped to the finish line, they almost lost that famous Monday night game to the Ravens. I was at the playoff games uh, against the Jaguars and the Chargers. That's the game that Phillip Rivers played with a torn ACL. And uh, the Patriots won them both to go 18-0, but uh, those were uninspired victories. And again, they just bought a, you know, they just limped to the finish line and finally ran out of gas out in uh, Phoenix against the Giants in that Super Bowl. But it was a fabulous game to watch, you know, in the snow, the game against the Broncos on Sunday night. Um, all credit to Brock Osweiler. He made all the throws he needed to make. Some spectacular big plays, uh, great throws. Um, you know, Patriots could have basically put it all away, uh, you know, for home field advantage throughout. Uh, now they have to earn it. Um, but, yeah, it was just really, uh, you know, great back and forth. Uh, I thought Brady taking him down the field for the tying field goal at the end of regulation with no timeouts was pretty impressive. There's a reason they call him two-minute Tom, and he showed he can still do that. <laughs> no surprise. Uh, but, you know, nothing left for overtime, and, uh, you know, Patriots got the ball first and couldn't score. So, you know, right about then, I, I was really feeling like uh, this is it. And I think a lot of New England fans were pretty much feeling the same way. So lastly, my bizarre story of the week was uh, the arrest of uh, 16 or so more FIFA officials over there in Switzerland in round two of uh, the corruption scandal. It's It feels like it's, you know, the United States government against uh, FIFA. And so far, I'd say the U.S. government is winning. What I find absolutely fascinating about this story is uh, the language of the uh, attorney general in basically uh, the aggressive nature with which she, uh, you know, with which she continues to pursue this and just her statements that if anybody's, you know, still out there, you know, lurking around in the shadows thinking that, they, you know, they might still get off the hook, uh, they can forget about it because the U.S. government is still pursuing this with vigor. It's just off the charts type of remarks. Uh, so yeah, I, I just find it fascinating to see how they're uh, again, you know, going after them. Uh, you know, we all know the Sepp Blatter story, but you know, they're just uh, the second round took out a lot of people who were supposed to be, you know, I think were on the reform committee. So these were supposed to be kind of the best that were left after the first round of arrests. A uh, number of months ago, but yet, you know, here they are being arrested. So this thing just gets uh, crazier and crazier as time goes by. So we shall see. It's certainly a, a fascinating story to be watching, to say the least. So with that said, uh, it's time for our final break and uh, have some college football and some other things to get to on the other side of this break.
internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Now you can take your favorite Voice America radio program with you anywhere. Sign up for our mobile app if you have an iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. The Voice America Interactive Radio Player, powered by Aircast, gives you the freedom to listen to any of our programs anywhere, live, and on demand. No registration is required. Listen to your favorite Voice America hosts and discover new ones. Download the Voice America mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry, powered by Aircast. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Check your feelings at the door and enter the Man Cave. Don't let the name fool you, because we're here for anybody that wants to talk and listen in. Hosts J.D. Harris and Ray Austin are here to lead the forum from the fans, former players, owners, execs, and coaches. While inside the Man Cave, you do whatever you like. We won't judge. We'll even go beyond sports to talk technology, current events, and entertainment. Tune in every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to the fourth and final segment of All Around Sports. I'm your host, John Inglesby, and my pick of the week for appointment viewing is tomorrow night's Michigan State-Iowa game for the Big Ten Championship, but more importantly, it's a play-in game for the college football playoff for the Final Four. Uh, it's like the beginning of the playoffs. It's like begin, you know, begins early. Uh, it reminds me of the NFL as like a divisional round playoff game. Uh, which is really what we all wanted. I don't know about, you know, I, I think it's certainly what I wanted, which is, you know, uh, the minute I first ever heard about the college football playoff coming into being, uh, I think I instantly dreamed of, uh, of a day where, you know, uh, there would be, in effect, a couple rounds of playoffs. It's not officially that way because there's four teams going to the CFP Final Four. But, this is the next best thing. So to me, the CFP basically starts tomorrow. The winner of that game will almost certainly be in the Final Four and in the college football playoff going for the national championship, which will be out in uh, Phoenix on Monday night, January 11th. Um, and, of course, prior to that, we have the two New Year's Eve games at the Orange Bowl and the Cotton Bowl in Miami and Dallas, respectively. And... Uh, so I think it's just going to be great. Um, you know, winner, winner take all. Uh, Iowa, you know, Kirk Ferentz, their coach, uh, Belichick disciple, was on that famous Cleveland Browns coaching staff with people like Nick Saban uh, when Belichick had his first go-around as a head coach in the NFL. Uh, and Michigan State, uh had that crazy loss to Nebraska on the disputed play at the end on whether or not the receiver 
was pushed out of bounds, but he came in and caught the ball. It stood. Nebraska beat Michigan State. That's their only loss, and they have some great quality victories. Connor Cook, of course, uh, tremendous quarterback. Uh, so I think that should just be, you know, a, a tremendous game. Uh, again, it's basically the first round, <clears throat> unofficial, of the college football playoff. So I think that's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, and it's going to culminate what, what is going to be just a, a spectacular day, championship Saturday in college football. <coughs> Excuse me. It starts off at noon with the American Athletic Conference uh, championship um, down in uh, Houston. And by the way, Houston coach Tom Herman just re-upped with the Cougars. He was being mentioned a lot uh, as, you know, uh, coaches some high-profile high profile openings in college football. But he's sticking with Houston, which is great. Houston versus Temple, noon tomorrow. Uh, it's going to be uh, in Houston. And uh, it's first-ever American Athletic Conference football championship. I, of course, cover the American Athletic Conference. I've been to the last few football media days down in Newport, Rhode Island in every August and uh, tremendous conference. Temple and Houston are very, very worthy participants in this game tomorrow and it's great to see and it's great to see someone like Tom Herman who I interviewed uh, one-on-one in Newport last August. Uh, He was the former Ohio State coordinator on that national championship team last year. Very likable fellow and just uh, I think the fact that he's staying in Houston and within the conference speaks volumes about uh, the American Athletic Conference and uh, how they've come so far in such a short time. Just amazing. Um, you know, we also have Texas at Baylor, a non-championship game, but, you know, Baylor's still in the mix, potentially. Uh, well, no, not really, but, uh, you know... Looks like they've been usurped by Oklahoma, who beat them in Baylor. So, uh, but nonetheless, always fun to watch Baylor, and that's a huge rivalry. But then the uh, championship games continue: the SEC championship, four o'clock Eastern, Florida versus Alabama down in Atlanta. I already covered that in the first segment with AP Stedham, who's actually there, and uh, so that'll be. Awesome. Uh, if Alabama wins, clearly they're in. Um, 7.45 Eastern Time, Pac-12 Championship, which is USC at Stanford. Uh, if Stanford wins, they still have a prayer as long as there's uh, chaos tomorrow, which is possible. Uh, and then also, uh, in addition to the Big Ten Championship, Michigan State versus Iowa, which I just discussed. Uh, 8 o'clock tomorrow is North Carolina versus Clemson in Charlotte in the ACC Championship. Obviously, when we talk potential chaos, that's the chaos right there. North Carolina lost the opening game in Charlotte, by the way, uh, to South Carolina, who proved not to be a very good team this year. Um, But they've run the table since then. Uh, if they win, uh, if North Carolina beats Clemson, the number one team all year long in the CFP rankings every single week, 
there will be chaos, no question. Um, you know, I don't think any of us know a whole lot about North Carolina, but they've just had a terrific year after their opening game stumble. And, uh, you know, Clemson had that great win against Notre Dame. Deshaun Watson, their quarterback, is a definite Heisman favorite, uh, along with Baker Mayfield, in my estimation, from Oklahoma. Uh, so that's that's going to be very intriguing to watch. Uh, North Carolina, you know, what are they going to do with Clemson? Um, I think that's going to be very interesting. Meanwhile, we have Oklahoma, who kind of come out of nowhere after that loss against Texas. Shocking upset. Uh, down their annual game, the Red River Rivalry in October in in the Cotton Bowl. Um, there is no championship game for Oklahoma. Their season is done. So they're sitting there and, uh, you know, no reason to believe that they will not be in the championship. So it's going to be a fun, fun day, to say the least. Uh, other items of interest this week, uh, Kobe Bryant announcing his retirement. That was huge. Um, so he's going to get, uh, uh, feeded at arenas around the country as he makes his farewell tour. Tiger Woods just read the interview with Time Magazine and, uh, fascinating. I highly recommend it. Um, it feels like, you know, uh, clearly his obviously best days are behind him and, you know, he's done with surgeries, he says. And, uh, so that's going to bear a lot of watching. And then finally, uh, you know, Steph Curry continues to just amaze a week from tonight. I have, I'm going to go see him play against the Celtics. To say I'm rooting harder than ever for the Warriors to watch, uh, to stay undefeated so that they come in to the Boston Garden next Friday night, a week from tonight, undefeated, uh, it would be an understatement. I am so excited to see Steph Curry. It's very rare that, you know, I, I bought the, you know, I put these arrangements together a month ago, right? Sort of at their 10th victory or whatever, because I just had to see this player in his prime. And uh, I just hope, again, the winning streak is still alive. They've already had the most wins ever to start a season. So we'll see what happens. As always, thank you for listening to All Around Sports. And we look forward to doing it again next Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Thanks again for tuning in to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Be sure to tune in again next Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a terrific weekend, and we'll talk sports again next week.